They say a picture is worth a thousand words, then how are we tied down to just one? I'm not a label, and neither are you. Welcome to a space of creative freedom, where you and I get to be exactly who we are. Join me as we uncover the layers and discover ourselves on a deeper level. Thank you so much for showing up. I hope you enjoy this. Welcome to Not A Label, the podcast. I'm your host, Avi Ojwani, and I'm really grateful for this first to face-to-face encounter and podcast recording with Nimi. Yeah. She's smiling right at me. I right am. Now. I'm like looking directly <laughs> into his eyes and putting more pressure on him right now. This is beautiful. Yeah. I love the energy. We had a long conversation, which I wish I would have recorded, but um, I'm really excited to talk to you today and just share your journey. So go ahead. Tell us about... <laughs> pre-Dubai, post-Dubai oh my gosh well first of all I want to say thank you for having me on this podcast when you hit me up and you were like I'm back in Dubai it was for me and you like we haven't we, I'd say we're acquaintances you know like and we spoke about this before we started recording like there's lovely people that you love to see out about in Dubai but I think you have to give credit where it's due like for you even though we didn't like get deep or there wasn't a friendship there, I wouldn't say, which is like, hey, are you out? Da, 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 da. It was always just such good energy with you. Like I would never know what's going on in your life and you would never know what's going on in mine. But regardless of that, you were just so fun to be around. And there's people that you walk away from, like, I mean, literally walk away from like, bye, see you later. <laughs> and walk away and you're like, oh God, he's so great. And you are so great. Thank so you. I just want to say that on your podcast so everyone knows. Um, <laughs> so but grateful. yeah, so it's such a pleasure to be on your podcast. I it will introduce myself. I'm Nimi Mehta. And um, I am here in Dubai. My profession, radio host. It's like the, the main thing that everyone likes to say. But I actually forget I'm on the radio most of the time. Um, and this Dubai journey started for me four years ago now. Four years ago, being here in Dubai, and if I told you the girl that arrived here was a completely different individual, my goodness, to what you are hearing now. And I'm just so, so happy that I went through all of the ups and the downs that Dubai has to offer, but generally life has to offer. Um, And it's just a journey. We're still growing, aren't we? I'm still there, (laughs) figuring this Dubai thing out. So besides a radio host, how else would you label or describe yourself? Mm. Well, it's ironic because your podcast is not a label and I put (laughs) a label on myself. Radio host, um, I also have my own podcast. But you know, like, I don't really know what to call it. I, when it comes to what I feel like my role is in, in life, you know, from the... I can only base it on the feedback that I get and and the people who listen to my podcast. And that is incredible women, majority women who, uh, I mean, crazy age range. I get like 16 year olds to 56 year olds. And it's just a platform to talk about things that I just don't think people talk enough about. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them taboo subjects. I think it's obvious subjects. Um, especially for women, uh, I dive into a lot of issues that women uh, face, but also women of color face. Um, you know, that category just keeps getting more niche and niche and niche. But yeah, I'd like to say like, I'm just helping and guiding 
young women, women are all, all around the world to find their voice and, and to discover it's, it's there. It's not that you don't have one. It's just that you haven't quite discovered it. What you want to mm. say, be very unapologetic in the ways you want to say it. Um, which we spoke about earlier. It's just that people are just so like, instead of saying, I don't like it. Like if you actually think about it, when someone invites you to something and you're like, okay, I, I personally don't want to go, but what am I going to do? The easiest thing for me to do is to lie and give a, give a lie or an excuse or a reason as to why I can't go. Why can't we just normalize saying, I don't feel like coming out tonight. Thank you so much for the offer. Bye. It's just little things like that, that I just feel like it blows my mind. Like, where did this, how did this get created that we had to lie about little things? And if we lie about these little things, we will lie about the big things too. We'll, we'll normalize that. And so, yeah, I, I really would like to believe that that's, that's what I'm doing at the moment is just kind of opening a lot of people's eyes around the world. <laughs> I yeah. completely agree that white lies It starts small, or so you think it does, but it escalates from one to another, and it comes from a place of not wanting to hurt the other person, mm -hmm. but you're actually hurting them more by lying to them, I feel, yes. personally. Where, do you, where does it come from, like this urge to want to help other women or men mm. through your podcast or through your communication? Where is this coming from personally? Yeah, it's quite interesting because on, on the radio obviously everything's censored right so there's certain things i can't talk about there's certain things i can't say and rightly so it's the radio it's out to the masses but i just knew there was so much inside of me that i wanted to talk about i have such huge opinions on things and i just couldn't be my best self on the radio that i'm an amazing version of myself on the radio and i feel like all of us have that we have several versions of ourselves but i couldn't be this like true version of myself where i can speak up And so I created my podcast just as an outlet. Like, I'm not even looking to monetize it. I'm not even looking to, like, get a sponsor and, like, ads and all of this stuff. Yeah. I literally just want to do it so I can talk. And if one person can relate, great. hundred people, great. Thousands, great. It's not even a thing for me. But the irony is I was an absolute mute as a child. I, growing up, was, I mean... I don't know how to explain it. I would be at a restaurant and my little sister would have to order me water really? if I wanted a glass of water. That, by the way, I say little, that was up until the age of 18. My little sister, three years younger, would have to do things for me because I could not speak to strangers. Whenever a stranger would come into the room, I would cry. I just would not feel comfortable. And so I guess I'm someone who has through the years, found her voice. Therefore, I feel like it's just such an irony that now I speak to a whole country every single morning. Then my family always say this, like, how did you, you, how do you now speak for a living? And so it's just, it's just a crazy concept, but that's kind of how it opened for me. Just, and people ask me like, how do you have the confidence? I don't, that's the truth. I don't know where it comes from. There's no right formula to confidence. There is not like, okay, so you have to, you know, stand on one leg, put your left arm on your hip. There is no like actual fixed formula. It's just also deciding to like rip the bandaid off and bloody go for it. Because again, I'm very tough love, but just do it. You know, there's no harm in it. I started like doing YouTube videos when I was younger and 
I kept them all private. I didn't publicize them. I just kept them private because I felt like at least I was doing it. I was putting it out to the world, but I really wasn't. And so for anyone listening right now who like wants to create content and, but is too scared to do so, maybe because of, I don't know, societal conventions or just maybe it's a cultural thing, I don't know, but maybe you're just too shy to do it. Just try that because it changed the game for me. And then all it takes is to, for you to publicize one video. And yeah, that was messy too. Like I got, I had like bullies and people calling me up, like prank calling me to be like, um, oh my God, is this the Nimi Meta? The Nimi Meta? Like people from university being like, oh my God, the one on YouTube, obviously pranking me and taking the mic. And that like broke my heart. I was like, why are they, why are they doing that? Like I'm not harming anyone. I'm just uploading a video to YouTube talking about stupid stuff. And now I find this so funny. My sister pointed this out. And now it's those same people in my DMs and in my messages being like, hey, I always knew you were going to make it. Really? Wow. Like, I'm so proud of you. Well done. These are the same people who at university in clubs or like when we were in groups and people would like, just go in on me. Go in. Like, what do you think you're doing? Like, what are you trying to do from this? These are friends. I considered them friends. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped doing my YouTube after they did that. And I was like, no, Nimi, yeah, they're right. They're right. You're stupid. Why would you do that? Like, no one, no one does anything from YouTube. Like, you're so silly. And the irony also now that my Instagram handle is the Nimi Meta. Because they used to be like, is this the Nimi Meta? <laughs> but it's just come around so full circle. And this is something I spoke about in my podcast is like, if people come for you, it's just, you've got to understand where they're coming from. Like, where are they coming from? Is it from a place of, like, personal hurt that they're going through? Because something's obviously going on in their life that is um, affecting them, that they have to pour hate into someone else. So, yeah, that's where it all started. It was just me wanting to share my opinions and thoughts um, on a smaller platform. But I actually feel so much more liberating doing it on a podcast with a smaller audience than on a radio to the masses. So yeah, that's that's how I'm where I'm at right now. That's awesome. I love that you could see that it wasn't about you. Mm. The fact that they were pointing fingers at you or, you know, in general, we point fingers at people. It's something that we need to internally point back at ourselves and sort of figure out where it's coming from, whether that's comparison, um, lack of self-esteem, wherever that's coming from and like nurture those bits of yourself and... I'd love to know how that's been for you. Like what parts of you have you had to meet mm. in the past few years and how have you nurtured that? Because I know you're very conscious. Mm. That's a strong word yes. I'd like to use for you just from like following you on Instagram, mm. listening to your podcast. There's a lot of the conversation, the words are very thought through Yeah. Um, in a very conscious way, in a very mm. awake way. Yeah, yeah. And I have like my demons. I have... It may come across, you know, we, we spoke about this, what people see on, on your Instagram, you know, you may see me sitting there and, and guiding you in a way like, oh, when someone's mean to you, empathize with them and think about what they're going through. And I'm sharing this with you, but at the same time, I'm like in a work situation where the guy is a trigger for me and he like speaks to me so badly and I don't sit there and think, oh, what is he going through? So I'm still 
you know, guiding myself, I know the right way. It's just about ingraining it into our minds. And that's not an overnight process. That's not just a, okay, I'm going to buy that off the shelf and we're going to have it like that. It's just, it's so tough. And I've definitely gone through a transformation the last two years in terms of where I want my, um, track of mind to go, where I, the conversations I want to have with people, you know, actually, if you think about your day or your week, the most point, you have such pointless conversations with people. Like I like to call them empty conversations. They are empty. And the way I think about relationships in particular, just because I have personally been focused on it so much recently is like, I see myself as like a, a, a bank of love. Right? So I'm like in the middle, or there's like a bank of love, like there's a jar in the middle between me and you right now. And I'm pouring into it and you're pouring into it. And sometimes if you're going through something bad, I might need to pour more into it, right? To to keep you going. And then sometimes we might need to pour out of it because we're gonna have some misunderstandings or some situations between us, but we'll pour back into it because we'll fix those misunderstandings and all these things. So it's always like a give and take as we know about relationships. But one thing I've realized is sit down and just think about the friendships, the people in your life, whatever context the relationship is, someone that you're seeing, someone that you're dating, uh, even your marriage, your husband, your wife, and think about that, that bank of love in the middle. If you feel like you are pouring way more into it first of all, than the other person. And then second of all, pouring more, way more into it than you're actually getting, then you need to reevaluate that situation. And I've been sitting there thinking about all of the relationships in my life in that context and basing it purely on the jar of love. And I have, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but like dropped so many people And when I say dropped, it's I've allowed it to naturally go out. It's not like a you break up with your friends. Like, hey, by the way, I realized you don't really bring much to my life, so bye. It's just a you still wish them well. You still have so much love for them in your heart. You still remember the good times. But it's natural for people to evolve and move and transform and change. They... You served each other in a particular part of your lives and it was beautiful. And my goodness, I will never forget it. But it's just time to move on. So the jar of love is definitely something that I've implemented in my last like couple of years to reevaluate, even if it's family members, by the way. And I know that in, especially with my culture being Indian and yours, you know, it's so hard to cut off family members. It's unheard of, Mm -hmm. like you can't do it. Um, I think there's a way to do it. And I think that that's not in a dramatic Bollywood style cutting things off, but it's not having a conversation with anyone. You don't even need to speak to them. It's consciously in your mind knowing that you owe them nothing and they owe you nothing. And just making peace with the relationship is what it is. It doesn't need to be more. You don't need to please them. You don't need to be that person that they thought you were. You're not that child anymore that will just do anything they're told. You're a grown ass adult. Like you have responsibilities. You've carved a life for yourself. So find a way to make peace with that. And yeah, you'll bump into them. Yeah, you'll see them and you'll be like, 
oh, hi, you'll be courteous, you'll be great, but you don't have to give them more of your energy than you need to. Um, so relationships have had a massive like spotlight for me the last couple of years, for sure. How have you learned to, well, how and what have you learned to say yes to and what are you consciously saying no to now? Mm. Well, one thing I was always very good at was saying no to social gatherings. <laughs> You'll know this from back in the day. Like my other two friends would say yes to anything. And I would have to really just be like, mm, it would take a lot for me to say yes to social gatherings. But saying yes to like stupid things that I don't even want to do. Like, I don't know. Back in the day when I used to live in the UK, like my cousin would be like, hey, will you look after the kids? Like I need to run out. Stupid things. But you know, they all build up. It's not necessarily what they're asking you. It's just that you don't want to do them. Like it doesn't bring you goodness and it's not nourishing your soul. So why are you dedicating your time to doing it? It just, isn't it just logic one plus one equals two? And we sit here and we say that, but it's so hard to implement in your own life. Um, you know, I'm, I have boundary issues with my marriage. Like I want to serve, 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 serve my husband. It's not necessarily what he's asking for. He's never asked for it in his life. Why do I feel like I need to have a hot meal, full Indian meal on the table for him when he comes home from work? I don't need to. No one's told me I need to. I just feel like in my head, it's a preconditioned idea that I need to. So it's turning to myself and sitting down and being like, okay, what makes you happy? And this is the thing. I think you're not able to say yes or no until you identify what makes you happy and what nourishes your soul and what doesn't make you happy. Once you sit down and identify these things, then you can go to the next level of, okay, now what do I do about it? And how do I mm. say yes? How do I say no? I think it's so quick to be like, okay, yes or no, but okay, why though? So what is it about this situation? So I don't know, let's say I don't like hanging out with this particular person, right? And you'll say to me, but I love hanging out with you, Abby. So oh, you'll say to me, oh, we're going to hang out tomorrow. But said person, Joe, is, um, is going to be there, Nim. And I'll, I'll be like, okay, I'll sit down and I'll think, what do I want? What makes me happy? And what doesn't make me happy? Okay, well, Abby makes me happy. But Joe doesn't make me happy. Okay, let's think about this. This is my only chance to see Abby. I'm not going to say no just because the guy that I don't like is there, but I'm going to go, I'll, I'll just, I'll make sense of it. So I'll go for 30 minutes. I'll go for, you know, it's about compromise here. It's, it's never just about yes or no either. It's finding the balance. So I'll go along, but I won't give that guy my energy. I'm going to be there for Abby and Abby only. And I'll exchange with Abby and we'll, we'll talk and we'll conversate beautifully. And I won't let that guy get to me. So it's about finding that balance as well. I don't think that it's a yes or a no sometimes either. And that's where the gray area is. And it's that gray area that is actually more draining than anything. But identify what makes you happy and what doesn't. And then you can create your boundaries around that and know what you will accept and what you won't accept from people or yourself. So learning to listen to yourself as well and what you stand for. Well not only what you stand for but what serves you to feel okay and not feel drained at the end of the day right? yes especially i guess you're exposed to being there for a lot of people mm -hmm. you know just because of your role as a communicator radio host yeah um so you have to be very conscious of 
what you allow in and what you don't. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's actually really draining, and but it does. <laughs> It's not relevant to what I do. You could be a mother and you could have like seven kids or you could have like five grandkids and all of them coming to you with your issues and their issues and all of this stuff. But I use this method every time I feel like someone's, I'm absorbing someone's issues. And this is what I felt like I was like legit. When I was growing up, I thought I was an empath because I would genuinely feel people's pain. I could feel it in like physically feel it. Like, my dad would be like, oh, my shoulder's really bad. The next day, my shoulder is aching. And I'm like, Nimi, this isn't right for you. And someone like an Indian relative once said like, oh, just get into a bath and put salt in this and that, and it will drain out that other person's energy. And this is what I want everyone to understand. Like, you can, you know, energy is such a like cliche word and you hear it like good energy only, good vibes only. I know it sounds so cliche, but it's so real it is so real like that energy exchange could determine your day your week your life like so i learned the shield method which was creating and visualizing a shield that goes in front of me now for some reason i placed this shield like in front of my chest and my stomach and I created this method during, I used to be a, a semi-professional tennis player growing up. So from the age of 12 to 18, I trained from like five o'clock in the morning to 9 p.m. at night. I was traveling the world playing tournaments. Wow. And I think I was homeschooled. It was crazy. Um, it was actually, it feels like another lifetime now talking about it. But my coach was an Australian guy and he was like an absolute bully. Like... He was mentally abusive, verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, like horrible. And I was like very overweight <laughs> as well. Not gonna lie, but it was puppy fat, okay? And he would say like really horrible things. And I created this shield. I was like, okay, how can I block this guy out? Like I need to block him out. It wasn't working. And so I created this shield where like, I actually visualized when he would speak to me. And this is just, Think of someone who triggers you, right? And think of someone who really affects you with their words or their energy. When you're around them or when they say something bad to you, literally see their words as like a vibration and that vibration is coming towards you and then it bounces off my shield and I visualize that happening. I visualize it and there is nothing more <laughs> empowering knowing that you can say what you want to say. It ain't going to get through. Like, it is no way wow. going to get through and affect me anymore because I will not allow it to. So it's this shield method, which I spoke about on my podcast as well. Like, I don't know if it will work for other people. I have no idea. It's just something that really works for me. Like, negativity, toxic words, toxic people, toxic energy. I'm just like, nah, -uh, let's whip the shield out. Like even like, you know, like a Harry Potter invisible <laughs> cloak. It's kind of like that. Like it doesn't have to be a shield. It could be anything you imagine it to be. It could be a bubble that you a see bubble. around yourself. It's just that you're protecting yourself and your energy. Your light, your, your love. Yeah. And you're not letting that person get through to it. And you know, when I say, use an example of my dad, like his bad shoulder or like your mom, like, oh, so-and-so's upset her. Nothing hurts you more than your parents being upset mm. or your sibling being upset. And that, those are the ones that like seep through the shield. Those are the ones that like really get to you. But that, honestly, that shield method has changed my life. And I would 
highly recommend it to people who are willing to try. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. It's yeah. really powerful. Mm. Like personally putting on the hat of the coach that I, I am as well. Yeah. That I can see how that can serve me, but not only just me as a coach, but like in general, everyone out there, like knowing how to block what's not serving them out there because sometimes we are exposed to negative conversations mm -hmm. but it's about what you do with them yes and uh the visualization method sounds incredible i'm definitely going to try that out yeah i don't know about you but like growing up i was definitely more of a visual person like learning at school and stuff so for me visualizing that just game changer wow mm. so what else do you visualize for yourself mm. In terms of that, like in terms of protecting myself or... I mean, in general, like what doesn't mm. even matter visualize for herself and her life, like oh, moving forward. Wow. wow. Well, I definitely like, you know, it's so funny because when I was back in the UK, it's crazy. I was lying in my bed. I was unemployed for two years and I was crying. I was depressed every single day. I was like to my mom, like, why am I doing this? I'm so useless. Like there's actually no point in me being on earth. And I was sat there in my bed with like the laptop open and I was on channel4fm.com and I looked at the lineup on the channel 4 website and I saw all these faces and I was like, I should be there. Like I, I can see myself there. I can see my face there. And literally a year later I was on their breakfast show and I was like there on the lineup and you know, this, this whole talk about self-belief, like have self-belief, have self-belief. And where do you get your confidence from? I don't know where, honestly, I'll, I'm saying now, I don't know where I'm going. I have no idea where I'm going. I just know that I'm doing what I want to be doing right now. I don't know where it's going to go. It could stop tomorrow. It could, I'm not even looking at the scale of things. I just love what I'm doing right now. And that self-belief confidence thing, it just, I don't really know how to explain it. Like I have this deep deep belief that i have a higher purpose than than what what i'm doing it's not as um superficial as a job title it's not as trivial as a instagram following it none of that matters for me it's a higher perspective and higher purpose and It really just stems from something from a young age. Like my mum asked me this when she was when I was 12 years old and she tells a story to everyone. She's like, yeah, when when Nimi was 12, like we were in conversation. I said to her, what is your biggest fear, Nim? Like, what is your biggest fear? And at 12 years old, I don't know who I was. I turned around and I said to her, my biggest fear is being no one. And what I meant by no one, like, I don't mean that being someone means you have to have a high flying job. Being someone means you need to have like uh, a big following or a voice or be a public figure. Being someone could be stacking shelves in a supermarket. Being someone could be um, being a dog walker. Whatever your someone is, I just felt like I had to do something with this life. And clearly, God, universe, whichever way you want to look at it, has led me to a way to use my voice to do that. People do it in so many ways. You can use it through art. You can do it through music. You can do it through whatever way. For some reason, this is the way it's led me. 
And I just know that it's much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than me. Like the DMs that I get from these girls, I don't get thousands of DMs. I get like uh, maybe a hundred per episode or something like that. And just those messages, like you've made me realize that I'm not, you know, cause like I spoke about the, am I a good Indian in one of my episodes, which was this cultural like clash between being Indian, but also being raised in a Western world. And these girls finally feel like someone's speaking to them. And these girls finally feel like someone's giving them the no bullshit route instead of the, oh, you should be this, you should be that. And it's just those moments of like, okay, I have to keep doing what I'm doing because it's clearly helping people in any little way. It could, it could change one particular relationship with their mum. And one thing I say in an episode could like determine their relationship with their sibling or could determine how they handle a situation at work. I'm very aware of the responsibility that comes with it. I'm so aware of it. And that's why I'm also kind of like not unapologetic about it. <laughs> you know, you would think that with more responsibility and awareness of responsibility comes like being a lot more tight-lipped and being a lot more conscious about the words you use. But I also just want to promote like freedom. I feel like the world's gone very the other way of like, be very careful what you say, be very careful what you say. And it's like politically, yes. Like, yeah, everyone has to be very PC and censored. But when it comes to your own relationships and expressing your feelings, I don't think there should be any sort of um, holding back in that sense. Why do we hold back, do you feel? Mm. Or why have you maybe held back in the past? Oh, I actually had this conversation with my mum yesterday. Really? Yeah. So we spoke about this. I said, mum, why is it that when we were growing up, when we would be upset with a cousin? Because... All I can base, like, my societal, like, ideas on is cousins. Like, growing up in a big Indian family, you just had your cousins. You weren't really allowed to hang out with your friends. So why did you not let me speak to my cousin and say how I felt at the time? And she used to say, it was an Indian, she used to say this to me, but and to this day, like, we have to stay ourselves. Like, we have to be pure of heart no matter what, and we have to just you know keep tight-lipped we just don't say anything because we don't want to upset anyone and we don't want to create a situation but I'm like look what it's done 10 20 years later when you haven't expressed and said your truth back then look at the resentment it's created look at the toxicity it's created within something that could have just been solved there and then in the moment we are, we are very, as humans, of course, I think you shouldn't be quick to just say what you want to say. I do think that you do need to take a moment to think about how you want to say it. Um, but use your words, like, with love, like, with intention. I, there is so much intention in silence, I feel, and in the less words you use. You don't need to over-explain yourself in situations either. And I was an over-explainer. I don't know about you, but like, I, I didn't need to give a like a thousand word count. <laughs> I just didn't need to. It could have been done in a hundred. Yeah. And I was giving it all this, and da 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 da, because da 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 da, because it did a, no, Nim, chill. Like, why are you trying to overcompensate? And that comes from our own need to, um, to impress, to feel validated, when you are expressing your feelings, 
to someone in a way that could potentially affect them negatively, I could say to you, Avi, I don't like the hat you're wearing, right? You've, you've used those words, but like that person, it's what we were talking about earlier. It's like using the words consciously because people hear what they want to hear, right? And what I said to you earlier was that people have different filters, like ear filters. So when my mum speaks, <laughs> when my mum speaks, I will just hear whatever I want to hear because that's how I see my mum. When my sister speaks, I will only hear what I want to hear from her because I see her as a little baby. But actually, the words that she's speaking is of a, of a grown adult. But I'm not even hearing those words. That's why when you, hit, when you say, you know, that running joke of like, oh, a husband's just nodding at his wife when she's talking, but he actually has no idea what, what she's saying. It's just like white noise in the background. And the truth is that's because there's an ear filter, We've already conditioned ourselves on this pre-idea of what that person is and what they're going to say to you. We already think we know what the person's going to say before they say it. But they're not. They, humans are unpredictable. Someone could turn around and completely surprise you and be like, whoa, I wasn't expecting them to say that. Shit, like that was so full of wisdom. I needed that. So we all have filters for people and it's just breaking out of that mold. I think that it's so easy to be yes people and yes men. I actually think that's the easier route. It's such an easy route. like, And we're all conditioned that way. And also there's a cultural thing tied to mm. this. You know, it goes so much deeper than just our generation. It is our ancestors' ancestors. Like, it's this pleasing. You, you then put your gender into it and then you put, you know, further more things into it. It's just... As a woman, as an Indian woman, all you're told to do is be submissive. That's literally what you're told to do. That's how we are conditioned. That is literally what we've been told. But now I, I'm such a believer that our generation are like the, the breakers of all of these cycles. I just believe it so much, don't you? I completely agree. I feel like we're healing patterns. Yes. We, we're healing vicious sort of toxic patterns that are not that we're not serving past generations, they're not going to serve our children and future generations, and mm -hmm. they're not serving us. Yeah. Um, and we're, courage is a word I'd like to use. We're courageously breaking through them because mm -hmm. it does require a certain level of like bravery to, to stand your ground and say, well, this is not serving me. Yes. You know, the word conditioning, I, I really wanted to ask you, do mm -hmm. you feel like all conditioning is wrong or bad? in a way. Is there a certain conditioning that could be even good for us? Mm. I think, so conditioning for me equals control. That's the way I kind of look at it. Interesting. Why is it that the conditioning has passed through these generations, like been a consistent? It's because it's a form of control. Like, I sit there and think, like, I haven't met my great-grandfather, but, like, one day he said that when you're sitting at the dinner table, you don't put anything in your mouth until, until everyone else has put something in their mouth, right? So all of a sudden, this is just a random example, but all of a sudden, that conditioning of, what did that mean? He didn't, yes, he literally meant, like, do not eat until someone else has eaten, but he also meant, do not take until everyone else has taken. Like step back and allow everyone else to take. And if that means you don't even get anything, then that's what it means. 
Okay, that was the essence of what he meant. And that passed through to my grandfather. That then passed through to my mother. And then that passed through to myself. What was that? Like, I feel like it was an idea that my great-grandfather came up with. And it also comes from love. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I don't think conditioning can all be bad. You can gain so much from it. And we all need a sense of stability, a sense of core, like that is a core value for me. So this condition wasn't necessarily bad, but it was also like a control of my core value that has now seeped through all generations to keep going. And it's a beautiful thing. But then there's also bad things that have seeped through and kept going that like put everyone else before you. Well, God, if I keep doing that, I'm just exhausting myself because that means I actually don't get anything like soul wise. It's not about the food on the table. It's like, okay, but you know, as humans, we also have expectations. And this is something I've been, actually, I'd love to know your thoughts about this. It's like, I'm torn between expectations and standards. So there's half of me that's like, say I'm like, have a friend and I'm putting in so much more effort than they are. And so when I reach out, I'm like, hey, you wanna hang out? They're like, yeah, and then they don't follow up. And I'm like, see, it's your fault because you should never expect anything of anyone. Because when you expect and they don't live up to that expectation, you get disappointed. So it's your fault, Nimi, it's your fault. But then you move over to standards Standards is when, well, regular communication and respect is my expectation dash standard. And if you can't keep up to it, then you're just telling me you don't have a place in my life. Mm. So is expectation actually a bad thing? Because my expectation is just merely my standard of what I am willing to expect, uh, accept in my life. How interesting. Right. So something very similar is currently occurring to me with a friend, you know, coming back to Dubai after a few years, um, someone that I've been really close to, I reached out before coming and you have the expectation, just like you said, that this person's gonna try to meet you, try Mm. to have a drink or whatever it is and have those kind of conversations that you used to. But having reached here, it's been really surprising how people that I didn't expect to reach out have reached out and really genuinely shown love and wanting to be there yeah really wanting to go grab a coffee or pick me up or Mm. take me places and give me that touristy experience even though i've lived here yeah but that those few people that you expect would come and and knock on your door and show love because you've been there for them in the past have just disappeared Mm. so how i found peace with that is understanding that Number one, I have no idea what's going on in their journey. Mm-hmm. I have no clue what's going on yeah. in their mind, in their hearts, in their families, especially with what's going on right now around the world. Yeah. It does hurt. The human part of me hurts. The human part that wants to go give that person a hug, wants to catch up, wants mm-hmm. to reconnect again. Mm-hmm. But I also understand, just like you said earlier, that there is a time for certain things in life, right? Yeah. And being able to let go as, as hard as this may seem for a lot of us, mm-hmm. is also a gift that we do to ourselves because it, lo- it allows us to stick to our standards. Going back to what you said, like yeah. my standard is, even though we're not communicating because I'm in Spain and you're in Dubai or, mm-hmm. you know, whoever that is in the world, we don't need to be talking every day for us to 
truly be friends just like what's happening here yeah right i feel instantly like i connected with you again and it's mm -hmm. been beautiful to just talk to you now mm -hmm. the standard of me wanting to keep those kind of people in my life is not going to change mm -hmm. but we have to let go of certain people and i guess you learn that with experience there's no other way of learning that detachment yeah. is learned by hurt mm -hmm. you have to you have to be in a little bit of pain you have to feel that through a little bit to learn that lesson and then be like okay mm -hmm. this is what they need right now and what i need is to understand that i'm still going to be me mm -hmm. i'm still going to be me and i might hurt again tomorrow if another friend of mine doesn't want to um show up or be there or have yeah. that coffee or you know show up to the expectations that i have with that person mm -hmm. but i just go into that scenario maybe stronger yeah having learned something from previous experiences having learned to care about myself mm -hmm. to prioritize myself to not wait around when will they message will yeah. they message will they not will they come pick me up mm -hmm. will they eventually care to continue living life and if they do choose to knock on your door again well personally i will always have a loving door welcoming them back yeah. in mm -hmm. but the standards are those boundaries as well i guess yes. right yes. the standards become those boundaries of like you're here because you need me maybe even mm -hmm. so i'm gonna choose consciously mm -hmm. still from a place of love mm -hmm. i'm gonna choose consciously how much you step in yeah choose consciously i would tread cautiously as well because i and that's not something that you might agree with but once you've been hurt, naturally, as a human, your thing is to protect yourself and put your guard up even more, say if that person was to come back round. It takes a lot to then open your arms wide as if nothing happened before. I'm just a very cautious person. I always have been, especially in my relationships. I have major trust issues. Like, I will not give myself a piece of you unless, you know, unless I know you're going to take care of it, like I would. So... If that person was to come back mm. and they would say, and they would like, first of all, we need to address what happened before. We need to vocalize because this is what I think we all do with expectations and standards. We hold them in our minds. We don't actually vocalize mm. what they are. So how can you know? Like my expectation before coming here was, okay, I want a beautiful cup of chai from mm. Avi. How would you know unless I vocalized it to you? And then if I, if I, you know, I would expect it, I walked in, there wasn't tea, I'd just be like, oh, disappointed in my own head. But how the hell were you supposed to know? It's just a stupid example, but it, it applies. If you want someone to make an effort in your life and if you want them to turn up for you, show up, and I mean show up good, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, you have to vocalize that to them. They're not mind readers. We all think, I don't know why we all think that we all are mind readers. Oh, they should know. Oh, no, they shouldn't. Like we said, there's, there's so much going on in the world already. But you add all of this on, like, you need to vocalize what you want. So you say to that person, in whichever way you talk, not these words exactly, but, hey, um, you look, I just want to let you know that this is... It sounds very formal, but this is what I'm expecting. This is what I would like out of this relationship. I would love consistency. I would love and like your energy. I would love your effort. I would love, you know, just your your attention and 
I'm not asking for this every day. I'm not asking for this every hour. I would just ask that when we do talk and when we do want to meet up, that you commit. If you are not willing to meet me here, that's okay. That's completely okay. But please do not disturb my peace. That is something I'm working on at the moment. Like, I'm more than happy to give people second chances, third chances, fourth chances, but I need to make that very clear with them. Mm. And then if I allow them to step in, for example, and they say, I can do all those things, like I'm willing to, and they're showing that effort and they're da-da-da-da, okay, guard down. Like I vocalized it and look, miracles happen when you vocalize, believe it or not. People listen and then they act accordingly. But there's also the chance that I vocalized myself, they said that they could do it, but their actions showed otherwise. Well, okay, now you've just proven to me why we went separate ways in the mm-hmm. first place. So let's just, with love, let go. Yeah. And that's the most important part, by the way, letting go with love. My goodness, there is nothing worse than letting go with like hatred and bitterness in your heart because you will always revisit that. You will never, you could call it let it go, you will never. Mm-hmm. And I felt this with like, a friend back at back in university, we used to live together and then so many horrible things happened and I just let her go with love. I still had so much love for her. I was like, I didn't believe that she did all those bad things, but she did. And I, I let go with love. I thought I did, but I just held so much in there. And sometimes you're not actually able to tell the person how they made you feel. So actually letting go without closure is the hardest. Like, what do you do with that? What can you possibly do with that? You have to make peace with it yourself. And that's having a conversation with yourself and, okay, well, you could have done this differently, but there's no point going back over those things. So it's accepting. I think that vocalizing is, if there's anything that you take away from this episode, is vocalize your expectations and standards. Um, It will change the game for you moving forward when it comes to your relationships. I could not agree more. Communicating the things that we hold in because of fear the things that we hold in because of what would they think or how would they feel or... uh, How am I coming across? Do I sound crazy? Like, oh, they're just a friend. So why would I say this to just a friend? Like, no, it's because you're so passionate and you love them so much. But you know, I think we're also guilty of holding on to um, a version of a friendship that no longer exists. So for example, that friend that was for you here in Dubai... (laughs) yeah mind blown right it's just that friend that you used to be friends with in dubai both of you have transformed and changed so much in the last couple of years and of course naturally of course you would want to meet up with them but maybe actually when you do or if they do meet up with you you're going to realize like this isn't what i thought it was gonna be because we've changed so much and sometimes we hold on to even in current friendships that we have we hold on to like old memories together or we hold on to like old stuff together to keep the current friendship going. And it just doesn't serve anyone, like either of us. So you have to be just very like, think to yourself, what am I trying to revisit here? Mm. Like, what is it? Is it the person? Is it like genuinely from your heart? Do you just want to know how that person is doing? Or do you just want to feel the love that they used to give you? It's just such a, like, is it just the love that you used to get from them? They used to make you feel a certain type of way and that's what you want from them. 
you've got to really evaluate, not just you, I mean, generally, like, you've got to evaluate, like, why, why is it that you are so insistent on wanting to be friends with this person? Go back. Mm. Go back to something that might hurt you. Like, this even relates to, like, your exes or yeah. whatever it is out there. Yeah, that might not necessarily, like, serve the version of you now. It would serve the old version. And what's that going to do? That's probably just going to pump up your old version more and bring that person more present. And the old version is something that we left behind. So why would we? Like, I get so... Living in Dubai, so many people from all over the world, it's just like the middle hub to go everywhere. So you have so many people from nowhere, just like, who you haven't spoken to for years, like, hey, I'm going to be in Dubai, would love to see you. And naturally, again, it would be like, the yes man would be like, oh yeah, sure, would love to do like all that hotty totty stuff. And it just... <laughs> How does it serve me? And that doesn't mean I'm being rude in any way. It's just that I'm not that person. Because you're going to potentially speak to me like I'm that person that you remembered me as. But I'm not that person anymore. And I feel like that to me would trigger an old version again. You know? That would like come up through the sand again. And I don't know. I guess create or put more salt in wounds that haven't yet healed so it's just be very conscious of who you decide to see and who you don't do you really want to pick up that phone and message that ex like or is it just do you want to revisit that validation you wanted from them the feeling the feeling that they gave you like do you just want to be seen by them again is it selfish of you that you're getting back into their dms like is it going to serve them or you? You just really have to think about these things. And if you've been working on yourself, like don't do yourself the injustice. Don't do it because it just sets you back from all the hard work you've done. Wow. I loved the concept of the jar of, I just keep on imagining yeah. that jar of love. Yeah. And you've poured in it today. Yeah, so have you. I'm so grateful for, for this. Oh, no, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. I mean, we could talk for hours, yeah. by the way, yeah? <laughs> yeah. But even your silence is beautiful. Aww. Like, I, you're a really good listener. I must say that to you. You don't get that much in a world right now where a lot of us need to be heard. Yes. Right? There's a lot of frustration, inner chaos going on that we need to express out there. And just like you said, vocalizing is key. Whether that's with your friends, your family, your loved ones... A stranger, sometimes it's easier with a stranger. Oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> it is. But you're, you're a really good listener and I, Thank you. I value that a lot in people. That's Thank one you. of my standards, I guess. Exactly, <laughs> it's a standard, not an expectation. Yeah. And it better be met. If it's not, then it's sayonara. <laughs> yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Abby. I love you. <laughs> Social <you>. distance kiss. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Not A Label. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please make sure to share it with your loved ones, your friends, your family, and anyone out there that might need to hear this. Thank you for being a part of this community. Make sure to share this on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and in any other platform that can help us make a greater impact together. Take care. Have a blessed day ahead.